Reality Check, where we talk about real shit with your host, Mark Patterson. Welcome to episode 10 of the Reality Check, where we talk about real shit. Today, my guest is Jordan Suarez. She is from Zimbabwe and also a Drexel student. Um, So please just give the audience a little context of who you are, um, what you study here at Drexel, and uh, yeah, let's get rocking and rolling. Okay, hey guys, my name is Jordan Suarez. As Mark said, I'm a... I'm an international student from Zimbabwe. I'm studying chemical engineering here at Drexel. And by the grace of God, I've managed to make it to my fourth out of five years in this program. Mm. So you could say I'm doing well enough. You could say I'm doing well enough. Good luck. Good luck. So coming to the States, what is one of the biggest cultural differences that was the most apparent to you? I guess just how sensitive people are here. Mm. How you can't be brutally honest without people taking major offense to it. It's really funny because the culture at home, and I've made this comparison to my parents, is if I insult someone, which, you know, we don't walk around insulting people every day, but if I insult someone and I'm straightforward with them, then they'll take it with a grain of salt and be like, huh, okay, mm-hmm. you have this one. My turn will soon come. And right. honestly, like within the next 20 minutes, you'll probably have that like hit back that right. person will be able to get that and it's not a tit for tat type of thing it's just like everyone is so blunt and for- straightforward and the sort of humor feeds off of that uh-huh. so I honestly can't say the last time that I like really just like couldn't stand I was laughing so hard oftentimes it's been the case where it was that very blunt straightforward humor um, and the so reason yeah. I started with that question is the podcast I did before I did with Andrew uh Antwi, I think his last name is, who's a freshman here from Ghana. Mm -hmm. And I asked that same question. He said the exact same thing. African humor is, it's it's quite something. I think it's, oh, it's just such an interesting thing. But it's true. Like, America as a country is very soft. Like, the people. like Yeah. But I can't say that's necessarily a bad thing because Mm -hmm. when you have a very long run of prosperity and, like, lack of like wars like and economic growth like that's just what happens Mm -hmm. like i definitely think also because there is such a wide variety of people here like mm -hmm. it's not a conservative um it's not a conservative environment here it seems to be a lot more open and with a lot more diversity in the sort of people that you have in the Mm -hmm. country every voice has to be heard yeah and so i think that feeds into the whole like sensitive mm-hmm. like nature of people because you can't make like excuse me if anyone's listening and they do get offended but like the that's so gay jokes you can't say that here because they are entire yeah. communities where it's kind of like well what does that mean or you have to very artfully do so yes and I mean coming from Zimbabwe where it's still very I mean I'm pretty sure it's still illegal yeah. to it's the same gay. thing like saying like the word faggot or something. Yes. So now at home, I've had to like check my brothers and they don't get it when I speak uh, to them. I'm like, ah, oh, that's, you shouldn't say that because there are people, like we have people in our family that are this thing that you are saying and like, what does mm-hmm. that mean? Like when you say that's okay, what does that mean? Because there's so many different types of people that are gay. Like it doesn't embody one quality. What is it? And then they kind of <laughs> like, mm, now I have to challenge my understanding of that word. Yeah. But you'll get away with that at home because 
there isn't really a big enough community whose voice is heard for them to stand up and say, hey, this is right. okay. And that's... America being sensitive is one of the things that I look at and I'm like, mm, kind of don't like this about here. But at the same time, it is one of the things that I do like. It's a catch-22. Mm. Because I know that the fact that it is sensitive here to speak about certain topics, to say things a certain way, it just means that there is a bigger crowd of people mm. who are being heard. So, yeah. Yeah, which in one respect is nice, but especially I can only imagine being like a very public figure, whether it's a politician, a celebrity, or whatever. And it's like people just take everything to heart. It's like it's just not like that, especially in comedy. Like I've noticed, like I've watched a good amount of like Netflix specials and stuff, especially in Dave, uh, Dave Chappelle mentions this in his recent mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. He's just like, one of the reasons I'm like stopping doing comedy, at least for now, again, is it's like people are way too touchy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I do agree. And it's hard. It's like, especially in like the comedic forms, like nothing is meant to be like, harsh or malicious like it's just meant to it's It's some vulgarist things are just Mm -hmm. really funny (laughs) like but not everyone has the balls to get on stage and and talk about it i think my understanding of that and i had to challenge myself to think this way Mm -hmm. because like i said coming from zimbabwe there was a certain type of humor that i had and when I did speak to people, I would get checked. And I'd get very, like, defensive about it because it's kind of like, oh, you're making me have to change the way that I say or do things. Uh-huh. So do you so, feel like that takes away, like, from who you are as a person, though? Yes, like, it's diluting your definitely character? definitely does. It most definitely does. I feel like I've got to water down the person that I am, water down the kind of humor that I have, which, surprisingly, is received very well, as long as I'm not talking about something mm-hmm. that, like, I don't want to say triggers, because even that, you can't say, oh, that triggers me now because it's offensive to anyone that's gone through extremely... I'm not going to finish that statement, but you get what yeah, I'm they, to Yeah, they can yeah. relate to that, yeah. ex- that whatever topic yeah. on a very personal level. Yes. Yeah. It's so, like making a joke about like drunk driving or something, and then someone's like had a family member that was like yeah. killed. It's like, obviously, it's like, I don't know that. Yes. Like, so, uh, you have to have that awareness yeah. factor so and that's perspective. What I was, that's what I was going to lead into is with humor and everything, I think the problem is that people don't just take it as a standard, like, base level, like, I'm just doing this for jokes. People take it personal because there's so many different types of context that everyone's like, oh, no, you mm. can't say that because it is being taken personal, which is complete opposite. Trevor Noah, for me, mm. is someone that was just fantastic at just being like brutally straightforward with his humor. Mm. I was a major fan of him when he did his stuff in South Africa. Uh-huh. Obviously, because there's a lot of stuff that he talks about there that I can relate to. Right. Not so much the South African stuff specifically, but just the way that like African people work. Mm-hmm. With the way he does things now, he there's definitely a lot more cussing. I've noticed that. Does he? He does. He cusses a lot more. He didn't really cuss when he did his stand-up shows based on South African stuff, but he does a lot more cussing now, and I definitely think that that's catering to the American crowd. I'm trying to think. His last stand-up special was Afraid of the Dark or something? Yes, but that's now that York. he's been here. So if you listen to things but like... But he didn't really curse, very, like barely at all. And when it was, it was very, like, mild. If you look at The Daily Show... Okay, let me... Is it The Daily Show? Daily... I think it is Daily Daily Show Show. that he took over. I don't watch that. Yeah, so with The Daily Show, when he does speak about different topics, he cusses a lot more. And for me, it's just, like, very Mm. abrasive for him because it's not something that he really did before. 
Mm. But if you go and look at like his his stand up shows where he was in South Africa, so his first one was The Daywalker. I cried actual tears when I watched that show. The first one, The Daywalker. It's like he was so blunt and straightforward talking about politicians, right. talking about the way that people operate. And it was so funny because it was so straightforward and honest. You could relate to it like word for word verbatim. So yeah, humor has become a lot more unseasoned. Yeah. I'll say I think that much. I think I also value clean humor in the sense that it's like no curse words or anything. Mm-hmm. Over the more like vulgarous jokes, like the punchlines, like talking about like a blowjob or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah, because it's like it's just like there's a there's a certain art to just like doing it that way. And I think Jerry Seinfeld talked about this quite a bit Mm -hmm. Um, because he actually did a recent stand up special that's on Netflix, Mm -hmm. which I was I was kind of surprised he got back into stand up. But um, uh, watching that and then between like Trevor Noah's stuff, Man Crush. Every day. <laughs> I mean, he's just like, Every it's just a day. different kind of funny. It just resonates mm-hmm. more for some reason. I think also another part of my, and this is just a side note completely from what we're speaking about, another reason mm. that I'm such a fan of Trevor Noah is because I look at him and I don't necessarily see me, but I see the sort of people mm. that I come from. Right. I don't know if we've ever had this conversation, but the whole like being colored at home is not the same as the connotation that it is. No, we have not. Let's get into this. So coming from Zimbabwe, which is like 37 years old, so pre-1980, we were a British colony, Uh gained our independence, we became Zimbabwe from Rhodesia, and I think a lot of people have heard the narrative of like, I think Western Africa, there was the slave trade, the transatlantic Mm -hmm. slave trade, where African people were taken from the coast and mm. bought here or like taken to other nations. We mm. need to brush up on that. I don't actually know <laughs> that much about slavery. I've learned a lot in the last six months. Uh. Southern Africa, though, obviously, I think because it was too far to move people, mm-hmm. I guess colonialists came in. Mm. They, they moved in. They started doing their thing. And with a lot of, I guess, white people moving into the Southern African region, mm-hmm. Although there was that, oh, like, stick to white people thing. And I'm very comfortable, like, saying white, black, this, that. I don't know why, but, like, people get very uncomfortable when I just talk openly here at home. It's just normal. Well, America's history is based off of white and black. Yeah. So I've had to learn how to navigate my way through this conversation. I'm going to lead into it now. Mm. I am mixed race, like, third generation. So Mm. both my parents are mixed. Both my grandparents on both sides. Mm. So all four of my grandparents were mixed. Mm. And then the first like mixture started with my great-grandparents. Gotcha. So at home, the easiest way to put it is there is no box called other. Mm. So here, if I ever have to tick something like bank statements, mm. or not bank statements, but like opening up different accounts, I've got to tick other or multiracial. At home, there's a race that like is all-encompassing mm. for like any type of mixture and it's called colored. So for mm. me, when I speak, when someone's like, oh, black queen, I'm like, Right. No. Not quite. It's like, I am colored. And then people say, no, you can't call yourself that here because that's bad. And I'm like, it's not bad. I I hear that your connotation, well, the connotation that that word was used for you was very negative. Like, I've heard not a lot of- Not to my knowledge. People get very upset. If you're upset. a person of color? Yeah. People get upset when it's like, oh, colored. That's I, a new one yeah. for me. Almost every person that I've met where I say to them, oh, no, when they ask, because the conversation is always, what are you? And it's a very awkward question to ask because I am racially ambiguous. 
So they're like, what are you? And then I'm like, do you mean racial? I am too. I don't even think you know my race, but we'll get into that. We'll get into it, yeah. So um, I'm like, racially, ethnicity, nationality, is that what you want to know? And they're like, yeah. So I walk through it and I'm like, well, I'm I'm colored. And that's when the first, like, insert that the white guy meme where he's like mm. blinking. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? And I can see people glitching, like, mentally. <laughs> and I'm like, no, colored for me is basically multiracial. Uh-huh. If you consist of, like, two or more races. We, l- we just call it mixed. Yes. Mixed race. Right. Same thing. So now the problem is here, getting here from like 18 onwards when I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to identify something. Then I'm like looking and I'm like, right. Other. Okay. That's great. And then it also, you have also have the burden that if you want to stick to that and if you want to be stubborn now, you have to deal with explaining that every time. Yes. Or at and least confronting the decision, do I explain this yes, or not? Right. So now another thing that's very interesting about that is someone will say to me, oh, well, if you're mixed race and there is so much like mixed, because my family, on my dad's side, both my grandparents came directly from black and white. On mm-hmm. my mom's side, my grandmother was Indian and mixed mm-hmm. and my grandfather was Chinese and mixed. So it's just like coming through mm-hmm. whatever. And then I'm pretty sure my great-grandfather, like, the white guy that initially did stuff that was questionable. Mm -hmm. He was Portuguese, and he was, like, a colonial. He was, like, a settler. Right. But didn't settle. He did stuff, went. Anyways, when people listen to it, they're kind of like, oh, well, I mean, if you made up all these things, like, one drop effect, I think, like, just identify as black. And then I'm kind of like, I can't do that, because at home, if I had to say, oh, I'm black, Uh a black Zimbabwean would look at me and say, no, no, you're not. Like, calm down. Right. Stop. Right, right, right. So that whole, like, one drop effect thing doesn't work at home. It works here because everyone wants to be a part of the club. Yes. Like, oh, I'm black. Like, blah, blah. Yeah, it's like, so now, I mean, partially, yes, but yes. no one gets into that. So that's my thing now. So when people say to me, oh, well, I'm like, I'm colored. And I've always got to stop and be like, before you get upset, I'm not from here. It has a completely different meaning elsewhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, there's so many mixed people that we made a race. Like, they had to put us together and be like, okay, all <laughs> right. these people make this. Like, just put them there. <laughs> all it's, the mutts. Yeah, it's very interesting. The whole, like, not white enough, not black enough narrative. Mm-hmm. Really, like, in your face. Like, segregation. There's, like, areas at home where, in the main, I'm in the capital city here, right? There's areas where it was designated for colored people. Mm-hmm post-colonial period. So it was kind of like, okay, we're going to move all of the colored people to Hillside, to Mm. Arcadia, to... What is it called? I'm trying to remember. Um, Brayside. Mm. So there's specific areas. Obviously, they're not like that anymore because people have moved and everything. But that whole not black enough, not white enough narrative, definitely very, very felt at home. Uh And so when I got here, very interestingly enough to say didn't necessarily click with, like, the African crew. Right. Because when they looked at me, I, I mean, I went to, like, our first DASA meeting, and people were like, I think they were thinking I was, like, the tokenistic, like, you know, someone that's just really interested in Africa. Uh-huh. So I'm sitting there talking, and then they're kind of like, oh, okay, like, where are you from, like, New Jersey? Like, <laughs> and I was like, um, Zimbabwe. Like, fresh right. off the plane. Like, I still need to make a bank account, and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And they were like, you're from Zimbabwe? You're from Zimbabwe? What? And it's so funny. I'd expect the whole, like, but you don't look like you're from Africa from, like, I don't want to say it, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's just a stereotypical view 
of Africa from the American perspective, yes. which is just fucking tiki huts living in the right? like, desert. But I got this from people from Africa. And they were like, you don't look like, and like, but you, you know that like colonialism was a thing, right? Like you know that for, for a certain period of time, there were people running things that should not have been running things, and they were procreating and doing nonsense and just not owning up to it. Right. And they're like, okay. And then the questions that follow up are, okay, so like, do you speak the languages? Like, what's your culture? Uh-huh. And this is where I think it's very interesting, like my understanding of the African-American development over the years. Uh-huh. I don't speak the language. I definitely understand it, though. So uh-huh. the two main languages are Shona and Debele at home. Uh-huh. Definitely understand them. Don't speak them. Okay. So when speaking to like native Africans like in Odessa, like club, they were kind of like, oh, so you don't have the history, you don't have the right, you don't have the language. Okay, so what's your culture? And now because it's not traditional culture stuff, uh-huh. because being the mixed race, I mean, the mixed race offspring often stayed with like the black parents, which were oftentimes mothers, mm-hmm. never the father. It was always the mother. Mm. They were raised, but they weren't raised the same because it was kind of like mm, you're not like the same like the rest and so as time went on because the colored I guess community grew a lot we mm-hmm. started developing our own culture which mm-hmm. was very separate from the so traditional you have, sub, you have a subculture it's like a subculture same thing here but it's like, very very new so now when I'm speaking to my friends I'm kind of like I honestly feel like I identify more with African Americans because what you guys have gone through on this side of the world mm. colored people went through like that's my understanding of what's been going on for the past I'd say maybe 50 to 100 years. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, yeah, but it seems like the African-American culture is very young and new. The colored culture is the exact same way. So when Mm. my parents are speaking to me, they're like, oh, who do you get along with most? I'm like, honestly, on a cultural level, like it feels like the people that I identify with most are this. Which is very weird because with the, like the straight out of Africa people, not... It's not the same. Right. My parents are kind of like, that's so interesting. It's, it's something that I've experienced. So, backstory about, like, the whole color thing. Right. If you didn't know when you're listening, in Southern Africa and Zimbabwe, there's a whole race dedicated to people mixed and other. We don't have to scale the box, which is really nice. <laughs> you don't feel like you don't belong. So, yeah. Interesting. So, getting back to, so my ethnicity. Okay. This is what throws people's off, people's off a lot. Right. So... They look at me, they see caramel skin, dark black hair, thick black hair, not like nappy or anything, mm-hmm. and they immediately go Latino of some sort. Okay. Like, undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, no, like not any. Mm-hmm. And they at, look at me, they're like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like, I know how my parents are <laughs> pretty, pretty sure. Um, so, on my mom's side is Italian. Okay. And then my dad's black. Mm-hmm. So somehow you get... And, but the thing is, my Italian heritage is from Calabria, which is an eastern coastal city in Italy. Mm-hmm. So they get a lot of sun. So if you go there, they look natives look Spanish. Okay. So you have that already <laughs> working against me. Mm-hmm. And then so you have... But my mother is very pale-skinned. Okay. But then you have my dad, who's like... He's just like milk chocolate. He's not dark-skinned, but he's like milk chocolate. And then you essentially get a Mexican somehow. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, you're bl- like black? I'm like, well, yeah, partially I'm mixed. Mm-hmm. But then it goes into, it's like, because I don't, like I wasn't, like my dad grew up in North Philly. Mm-hmm. And when North Philly was bad, mm-hmm. like 
gangs, like gang territory. And it was like very active. Um, and but my mom grew up in the suburbs. I grew up in the suburbs. That's where I was raised. So I don't like have a hood. Like I don't. I almost don't want to talk hood, if you will. Like, okay. you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a, a, someone, like a Philly bull, like someone from South Philly. Let's say it's just yeah. a different accent. Yeah. People are like, well, you talk very white. I really don't like that statement. Like, because mm-hmm. I'm articulate. Like, I, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's like, depending on the crowd I'm in, it's like a dial. Like, I have, like, the hood, more ethnic mm-hmm. group of friends I hang around, and then the not, the more, like, white like mm-hmm. suburban mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i know it's like going back and forth between like you know how to navigate between right crowded as you with you and i did exactly do that. especially on a professional level being in the classic and vintage car space for six and a half years mm-hmm. i mean it's nothing but old white guys i remember seeing a meme once that said you'd be surprised at how far a caucasian voice can get you on a phone call and my voice definitely like switches over. If I'm like doing anything like remotely professional, it goes <laughs> it's like, so funny. Like, Sometimes I do it and don't notice. It goes it. slightly. My voice goes higher. I definitely am like, no, yes, I'm not. it's. I, I hear what you're saying. I do it too, and it's. I definitely know what it's like to be told, oh, well, you talk white because the same thing at home. Right. Um, or I've gotten like, Mark, you're not really black. It's like, what the fuck does how did that you, mean? What? Okay, there's like. I don't want to say colorism. Okay, so if I... I don't want to split up the way it works at home, but you the way you have upper class and you've got like... I hate class, the whole class, comparative blackness thing. Yes, so... That's what fucks me up. My understanding of the way that things work like at home, I know that... People always told me like, oh, you're the white type of colored. And I was mm. like, what does... What? And they were like, no, like you speak a certain way. Because I think we didn't really live in the, the areas that were designated for colored people. Mm-hmm. My parents came from the second because they, they didn't actually live in the capital. Right. Came up. We lived in like a small flat till I was like six, seven. And they got this house in a predominantly white neighborhood. So went to trust schools. So they're like a step down from like private. And... More or less because of the sort of education that we got. Mm-hmm. We spoke a certain way. And because the rest of our family didn't really do that. So we mm. sounded different to the family. So even our family used to say, oh, you guys are like white colors. You're posh. Right. You're snobby. And it's kind of like, I just don't speak the same. And it's so interesting because when I speak to people here, they're like, oh, my God, I love your accent. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, do all people in Zimbabwe sound like that? And I say, no, because the same way there are multiple types of accents here, it's the same at home. And it's interesting because within the colored community, whether you speak like multiple languages or not, mm-hmm. there is a difference between the way I don't want to. There's a difference between a middle class colored would speak, mm-hmm. and then I don't want to say low class colored, but you know what I'm saying when I say that there's it's a the difference. It's the same thing yeah. here. So it's kind of like I'd be told, oh, like you're white colored simply because of the way that I spoke. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with skin, nothing to do with like money. It was literally just the speaking part. So I definitely identify with what you're saying when people are like, really? Really? It is interesting. I think that also falls back on how people are touchy. And I think think one reason of that is the people, I think, just dwell way too much on things that are very surface level and try and make it something it's not. 
And I think this gets back to the whole, like, very, like, try and be binary mindset Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, it's like this versus it's not. Like, there's times to read into things, but, Mm -hmm. I mean, especially when it's just, like, whether it's professional, personal, you just have, I, I feel like people just overthink shit way too much. This is true. I think one of the biggest problems with the whole sensitivity thing I'm I'm a someone that exists in the binary. Mm. I'm here or in there. There's no right. like in between. Um, I've had to edit the way that I do things in the sense that if I do find out something, I try to process it enough to understand where it fits for me and mm. how it could influence like me either being here or there. Um, what was I leading to? The thing that I was speaking about with the sensitivity is that people mm. will hear things and then not really want to use what they've heard to affect change. And that change could be in the way that their actions, they go about their actions, the way they do things, or just change the way that they think. Right. We spoke about it earlier, but like the whole like accountability, the self-critiquing, that's not something that's very strong with people. And I feel like people get very sensitive when they don't have those aspects. Yeah. There's just a, a very life. strong and overwhelming negative stigma to being wrong or making a mistake to the point where it's Mm -hmm. like people think there's these like grave consequences like depending on what it is like I'm just more so speaking on like whether it's like even just like a mistake on an exam or maybe like a smaller scale business decision or Mm -hmm. like on a personal level it's like okay do I do like, for friendships, like, okay, do I tell this person about X or not? Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just, like, it's hard. It just gets it gets to that point where it's just, like, you just pick one and deal with the consequences. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just pick one and go all in and just own it. Yeah. Like, it's okay to fuck up. True. Like, how else do you learn? This is true. This is so true. As someone that likes knowing things... By knowing things, I like to make very calculated and informed decisions. Mm. So if you ever had to like speak to me, if it if you were going to tell me something that hurt me, mm. I'd much rather be given that information because then I know everything or I have an inkling about what's going on. So I can make an informed decision or like choose to do something a certain way because I know what's right. going on. Speaking on the topic of like people not knowing, like, oh, should I say something? Should I not? Should I this? Yeah, I'd much rather know that because if not, then I know personally I tend to just like dwell on it myself and over like just mm-hmm. manufacture situations and like trying to like it's almost like trying to have empathy and like, okay, like to try and think of the perspective that person may be coming from, where it's like you could think of a hundred different ways they might be looking at it. That's oh, yeah. like just be keep it real like just keep it 100 and just be honest yeah be straightforward with people it's when I think about the stuff and I've, I've definitely gone through enough stuff with my family with my friends where people have got conniving natures they, mm-hmm. they lie or they tell they're purveyors of an act to choose they, they don't tell the truth when they need to um a lot of the times that people don't know how to tell you the truth, like, they have gotten very good at not being able to tell themselves the truth. Like, they can't be honest within themselves. Right. People manage to switch off that little voice that I know everyone has in them. 
Mm. Like, you know when you've messed up. You know when yeah. you've done it's something It's that gut wrong. feeling. It's, it's in you, and it's like, mm, that was a tear. I should not have done that. And more often than not, and I've, I've asked my friends, it's like, have you ever done something that, like, you know, in hindsight, it just mm. did not make sense. Like, what you did was just, it was either dumb, you didn't have enough information, you didn't think it through entirely, like, mm. and obviously everyone says yes, and I'm like, okay. So when you did that thing, whether or not you when you whether or not you knew it was right at the time that you did it, mm. walk me through like the feelings that you had after it had happened. And they're like, you know, it almost felt like something was eating at me, like, mm, mm. like knowing as you're saying this isn't this isn't correct, like you shouldn't have. Mm. And I've experienced that a lot, and I've learned mm. to listen to that now because I'm so headstrong in the way that I do tell people the truth, and I am brutally honest and say that's shit. Mm. Like, it's fucked up. What you're doing doesn't make sense. Walk me through it. If you can't explain it, then it was just stupid. If you can explain it, then maybe I can understand what you're doing. But right. understand that, like, for me, what you're doing didn't make sense. I've learned to listen to that little voice, especially when I am headstrong and, like, call people out on their BS. Because sometimes I, too, can take it too far with the whole telling of the truth. Like, right. I could be doing it in a very hurtful way. Uh-huh. Obviously, if you're going to tell people brutal truth and they're doing stuff that doesn't make sense, it's going to be hurtful. But there's a way that you can word things and say things. Exactly. So I've learned to listen to that little voice in me because I've been able to listen to it before and say, you know what, I know that what I did is wrong. Yeah, I think that's where you just kind of have to employ that empathy factor. Yeah, and then it's kind of like, was my friend being a hoe? Yes, she was. Well, she was being <laughs> she was being a fully autonomous human being. She was. Uh-huh. Now, could she have made better decisions with the people that she was being fully autonomous with? Right. Yes. Did I need to tell her? The way that I told her. Right. Because if you're my friend, I'm going to keep it 100 with you. Mm. Like, I'd much rather I, I'd much rather you were mad at me as a friend for telling you you're on some fuck shit right now. You're not making sense. I'd rather I do that than you get spoken about by other people or Mm. you find out through people that aren't as genuine in their care for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've learned through my own understanding the moments where I failed people or failed myself lost friendships because I was too brutally honest I've learned that I have to also know when to pull back and use that empathetic card mm. even though oftentimes if I'm really pissed off I don't want to I'm just mm. like you don't do better than what you're doing right now yeah for anyone that's listening I like I'm very visual when I speak so I'm like jumping and <laughs> faking <laughs> she fighting she's got like bald <laughs> like, fists right now like lunging like she's gonna uh, fight somebody like you don't do better than what you're yeah. actually doing right now I don't know it's it's for me it came down to a a point where I was like I just ma- the major- majority of the time like the only time you really have the complete context of something is in manners that involve your own individual person cause you are you you know what I mean? Yeah. Versus like, you really don't know, like you're not in somebody else's head to yeah. really like, mm-hmm. there's a reason people make certain decisions. Mm-hmm. Like you can't feel certain insecurities they have, whether they mm-hmm. want to talk about it, maybe they don't. And then maybe like, you just don't know. Also, they could be getting influenced by other people that aren't you. That's amazing. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. So I think the brutal honesty part is super critical but again, just to, I, it's the delivery. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's something I apparently have a, sometimes have an issue with mm-hmm. because there was this, I'd say within the last year or two, I noticed people would just act a certain way towards me. 
and I just couldn't fucking put my finger on it's it. It's like when they get... I was like, I have done nothing to yeah, you. Yeah, distant or cold. It's just that like like gut feeling. It's like, you know, there's some just... And when you ask one them fucking thing, what's going no, on... No, never just, address it. I So I'm going through that right now with a couple of my friends in my friend group. And being an international student, being someone that left mm. my entire family at home, the friends that I do have on this campus, the friends that I've had for quite a while more or less have become my family. So mm-hmm. I picked them out, like handpicked and said, I like them for these qualities. Mm-hmm. These are really great people. These are sort of people that I want to surround myself with because they have identical goals. They have similar mindsets, morals, traits, that sort of right. thing. Of late, I've been seeing with that particular friend group, I'm just like not vibing with people the way I used to. Agreed. And I'm kind of like, what's going on? So it's now there's lost, there's sunk costs, there's people that you just, you're like, okay, fine. Well, that's, I know why that's the way it is. And I don't really want to address that. But then with other ones where it kind of blindsides you and comes out of nowhere, you're like, yo, what's, what's going on? Like, if you did something to me, I'd let you know straight up. And maybe that's what's happened where someone did stuff that didn't make sense. And I was like, BS. And I think a fault that I have, that one of my friends pointed out to me, is that I expect people to do things the way that I do it. So I'm very straightforward, and from the jump, I always say to my friends, listen, full accountability, be mm. transparent with me. If I'm on some BS, which 95% of the time I am, <laughs> call me out on it. Humility, that's good. Because the only way that I'm going to fix something or do better is if I know about it. And if I'm so wrapped up in my own like head... Constructive feedback. It's I'm so not going to know that like the way I said something or approached something or did something with you hurt your feelings. Right. Because ultimately, it comes down to people being butthurt when they start acting different. So I, you're like, okay, what happened? And with a couple of my friends now, they don't want to give that feedback. So for me, I'm like, listen, I told you full transparency. If I'm reaching out to be like, what's different, what's going wrong, and you mm. have nothing, don't be upset it when It sounds like I'm a you like, problem, not a me problem. Yes, it's a you thing. It's not a me thing. And I guess the thing that I'm struggling with now... Yeah, I think for me, it's just boiled down to accepting that people have very different mindsets. And just because we don't think a certain way now doesn't mean they can't get to that point a year down the line, five years. And then depending on what happens, a lot there'll be times where they might even lap you in terms of now they're on like a different level mentally than you mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. But you just have to, again, have that self-humility factor. But it's also a fine line between having self-humility and feeling like you're being undervalued or taken advantage of or someone's just like having negative space in your life. And that's where I know me personally, I just had to audit a lot of my relationships and said like, this is just a person I can love, but just from afar. Yeah. I'm I'm at that point right now too. I'm feeling that. Yeah. I threw up peace signs. (laughs) Anyone that's not in the room and can't see this. Yeah, it just gets to that point where it's like, you know, I... I've been carrying this baggage long enough. It's time for me to mm-hmm. put it down. Like at a certain point in time, a, rela- a relationship can become a burden and it's on you to make sure that you're taking care of yourself yeah. and not carrying that around with you. That's a big lesson that I'm like learning now in January, which seems to be going on forever. It does. Like this kinda. month is not ending. <laughs> what day? Is it? It's the 25th? I think someone tweeted that. It's like going into the third month of January. I saw that tweet and I'm kind of like, January has been uncharacteristically long, like for no reason. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, a little bit. And with the end of January comes the onset of Valentine's Day, a holiday mm. that I'm not fond of. 
very interesting time. Uh, a very interesting time. Yeah. Victoria's Secret is having a sale. It's called the Me Day sale, not the V Day sale. I mm. like that. I like that advertising. <laughs> yes. Well done. Doing well done, Victoria's Secret. Um, so I guess that's a nice little segue into getting into what we were talking about a few months ago to where I literally sat down and was immediately engulfed into a conversation where you were just outwardly saying that women aren't shit. Audience, this, these are not my words. Yeah. All ladies, I love you. I, I see great value in you, and you, you're killing the game right now. This is my, my guest thoughts. So let's, uh, let's elaborate on that a little bit. Women ain't shit. I mean, we've heard the narrative, men ain't shit. I think that that's mainly because men just don't think when they do things. Things are just... Common sense should get you through a lot of the problems that most mm. men deal with. Um, it's, where, it's like, where do you find the point where it's like the execution point between underthinking and overthinking something? It's like, when, when's, when do you actually do and take action? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just genetic or what. I just feel like men just do at, at times and not think enough. And then I feel like women can be much more in their head at times. Yeah, women and then overthink think shit. And that's why, like, you get the, that. like, stereotypes of, like... Women are emotional and er- men just, yeah. like, you know, yeah. But I also think that's just, like, that's just people, period. Like, it's vice versa. Like, it applies both ways. It does. It depends on the sort of character that you have as a person. Um, The men ain't shit. Obviously, I've gone through some things in my life that I automatically was just like, oh, my God, he did this to me. He hurt me. You know, this is this. But the point of conversation that we had, like, a couple of months ago Mm -hmm. was that I acknowledged that in almost every situation that I was in where I did get disappointed or hurt and, like, my feelings were just, like, you know, all over the show, I saw the signs leading up to the point where mm-hmm. I was disappointed. Just chose to ignore them because I was choosing to see the best in whoever it was that I was interested in at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And I acknowledged that I wasn't shit to myself. So when we say women ain't shit, it's because you're smart enough to know that what's going on isn't what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. But you stick around because you're kind of like, oh, like I love him. Or, oh, like, you know, he'll do better. He's inexperienced. He... But even flip it around, it's the same way. Like, if a man knows he's not happy with a woman, break it off and don't, like, go start playing. Right. Yeah, you know, like, if you really feel that way, like, then go that way and, like, right? commit full. So I think the, the thing with men is that it's almost, I mean, I'm not the most religious person, but, like, from biblical times. If people went and did nonsense as uh. guys, it was kind of like, oh, no, men, well. But then it wasn't as big a deal as, like, if women do that. So women tend to be ancient to themselves because Mm. they stick through with something that, like, they're not happy with compared to men who will be like, well, do science. This isn't for me anymore. Mm. So the the women ain't shit factor that I guess I was ranting about at that point in time because I'm very big on ranting. If anyone follows me on Snapchat, love that stuff. It's super entertaining. We'll we'll, we'll plug that later. But, but yeah, the, the women ain't shit factor is just... At the end of it all, when you are disappointed that something hasn't worked out the way that you wanted it to work out, you saw all of the signs leading up to that point, but Mm. you chose to ignore them. And I hold myself fully accountable for all of the shit that I've been through, all the stuff that has added to my insecurities, my lowering of self-confidence and self-esteem. Like, I saw all of the signs that Mm. led up to it, and almost every single time I was kind of like, you know what, benefit of the doubt? Mm. 
we're gonna use this as like you know a, a stepping stone. We're gonna like we're gonna grow. We're gonna we're gonna do better than what we're doing. Right. And what I'm trying to do now as a woman that has been ain't shit to herself. When I say women ain't shit, I'm saying women are ain't shit to themselves. Mm. As someone that has been ain't shit to herself, because I identify as her, mm. I'm trying to become a lot more accountable for the different things that I do and the things that I accept. That way, a lot of the burden of hurt that's like experienced at the end of whatever situation is not placed on the guy, and like there's no pressure added onto him to make him feel like an asshole or like the right. dick, like because you also affect men, and it's it's sad that men don't like deal with the emotions as well as like women do. Well, I think a part of that is a product of the expectation of even internationally, like just a, of men are supposed to be the like. The, the strong, yeah. like hard, mm-hmm. like leader, breadwinner. Oh yeah. And I also, I guess, in terms of American culture, I feel like for the longest time there's been this attention so aggressively placed on the quality of men for the longest time to where I'm just like I'm really over it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, men, it's challenging for us to speak out and be like well, what about the quality of women? Mm-hmm. And, like, be like, you guys aren't shit either. It's like, you will... Your community is ferocious. Like, if a male, like, speaks again, like, these women, like, they not doing shit these days, blah, blah, mm-hmm. like, good fuck, Especially how touchy people are these oh, days. Yeah, no, good fucking luck. I think if you're going to think about that or talk about that, though, like, we're not focusing on how shitty women can be. You've definitely got to touch on the fact that, like, we just don't think about women, period. Yeah. I just don't understand why we both can't look at each other, shake hands, and just be like, we're both You know what? Shit. You know what I mean? Let's just like, let's, that we're not doing great The here. comparative, like, ain't shitness, mm-hmm. like... That definitely plays a lot on accountability and maturity. If you're not mature enough to know that, you know what, it's okay to have flaws, and it's okay to know that you're not fully loaded at, like, 100%, it's fine to be at 80%. If you know you're at 80% and you're working towards that 100, mm-hmm. cool. If you have your discrepancies, you've got your shortcomings, your shortfalls, then that's fine to be that as long as you're aware of it and you're working to be the best that you can be. Now, a lot of people aren't that. A lot of people. That's why accountability Mm. is such a touchy topic because then you're kind of like, okay, you want to cry wolf, but like... Everyone wants to point the finger at someone else yeah. but themselves. Yeah, that's like, the easiest thing to do. It's like you want to cry wolf, but like you're not this little lamb that you know has like like weak ankles. You know, like you just like freshly out the womb. No, like you are. You're grown. You're like, grown. You're doing things that don't quite make sense, and you're putting up with things that, that you don't have to. Yes. So the biggest thing is, are you holding yourself accountable for all the hurt that you're going through? Because honest to God, you would not be going through all of that shit if you weren't putting up with it, you weren't tolerating it. So at the end of the day, if you do get hurt, and this is something that I've now put on me, Mm. if I got hurt, I blame myself for it. Because I almost, not even almost, I always saw the signs, it's like, this does not make sense. You're acting weird. You're doing something different. What's going on? Right. Mm. And then it's kind of like, oh, no, nothing. You can always tell when something changes and something like goes weird. And it's, if you want to be a super sleuth and find out everything, which is the sort of person that I am, mm. very like I find out things very quickly. Mm. It's bad, but it's also really good for me. If you find things out and then continue to put up with it, right. you can only hold yourself responsible for the outcome. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't do that. So 
touching on that whole woman ain't shit thing. There are some women that genuinely ain't shit that are doing things and hurting men, destroying men because mm. they themselves are broken people that haven't dealt with stuff that's happened to them. Mm. I feel like everyone that hurts other people is broken in some way. Like they haven't healed yeah, something. Everyone has like at least that first love where it was this everyone. all shot. It's just like people have not. It's like a hole that was created from some negative experience, and uh. people don't take the time to reflect and really like figure out okay what is it that's caused this hurt like how do I fix it they use other people to fill that and then mm. some people like get a head rush when they mm. see how easy it is to use other people women are very capable of this I don't trust females I am one I know how they work mm. so if I have a man and I see a girl it's like oh I'm just a friend I'm like I don't need to really analyze this friendship of yours because I, too, can be just a friend to someone. I know how to work that game. Mm. Women are sneaky. Men play games. Oh, I know. But women are smarter with the games that they play. Like, a woman that it's knows how to play games is fucking just, malicious is sometimes. It's not you, fun. You don't want that. No. They are the ancient women that are ancient because they don't take accountability for their hurt. And they always want to play the damsel in distress. And, like, mm. I'm hurt all the time by other males. And then the other women that genuinely play mind games and do things that don't make sense. Mm. And then there's a special breed of women. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of infidelity. Mm. Can't stand it. At its core, like, I'm a one-man woman. I've got emotional blinkers. I said this early on. Right. If I, like, have a person in mind, that's my person. I don't need to, like, pay attention to anyone else. The concept of, like, multiple guys at once does not work for me. Mm. The concept of going after somebody that you know has got is someone... That's a different breed of just animal. Not even like women and men that do that. Like the glorified side chicks, the glorified like side guys. Right. I have qualms. Qualms that I can't express mm-hmm. without getting very vulgar. But that's that's a different breed of ancient. I could go on and on for days about that. I agree. But yeah. Yeah. And I think there's also a lack of I think it's very important to have an extremely close friend of the opposite sex that's not intimate. Yes. And very platonic. It's a very, you know, it's a line you have to walk because, like, you essentially behave and act like you're in a relationship minus the intimate part, Mm -hmm. which can become blurred at some time, especially, Mm -hmm. like, if you spend a lot of time with that person and like obviously you have some sort of chemistry if you mm. hang around that person enough but it's like you got it's like it's just this and not that yeah and a lot of people end up falling into that trap of like oh it could be more when things are not like great mm-hmm. i fell into that trap of the best friend lost a best friend because i've done that too yeah we like got along really well gave great advice mm. more or less called our shit like if, if someone had like mm. a and significant other that was doing shit that didn't make sense, mm. we'd speak to each other and be like, okay, what's up? And 90% of the time, whatever I said to him or he said to me, completely like on par with what was going on. Mm. Fast forward, we ended up getting together, tried dating, did not work. Like we worked so well together, we were compatible as friends because mm. we thought the same way. Mm. Try put that in a relationship sense, Yeah, that shit fell apart like, wow. It it really just colossal. Just wow! I don't have that friend anymore. Mm. I made that mistake of, I guess, going across that very fine line. It was mutual, though. It seems. It was, 
And I think it was only after we experienced the more intimate part that we realized we really only work as friends. Mm. But moving forward, now you've got that history and like jealous natures, like, oh, you're with who now? Like this, because you, you can't yeah. still be telling, you've got that best friend, you've done stuff with him. Obviously, it's a different level of attachment mm. because that person was all of this before you got to right. this point and then like post that point. Now they, they're trying to tell you and like do things the way they did before and you're Exactly. Like, it's not, it's not going to be the same. No. But it's like, you know, then it's like, then you come to that fork in the road. It's like, all right, well, do we both have the maturity to work through this and with this different perspective mm-hmm. figure it the fuck out? Or is it just... I think the question that comes with that is, are we both okay with being completely platonic? Because sometimes you'll have one that isn't and one that is. So in my mm-hmm. situation, he was the platonic one. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, you know that I still care for you, but you're trying to like, you know, ask me about these things that you used to ask about. But that's not how this works. You can't. So our friendship, I don't want to say crumbled because of that, but because we were at different ends of the spectrum mm. after coming out of that situation, it just did not work for either of us. Anytime someone's like, oh, I have a best friend and I think I like him, I'm just like, leave it alone. Don't, don't go there. Just leave it. Sort your entire life out first mm. before you try that. Because if the friendship is that worth it, it honestly does come down to, I don't want to lose this friendship with you. Because I've, I've gone that route where, like, I lost a friend because we got into something together. I lost a friend because his ex was, like, so convinced we were cheating together. And he lived in England and <laughs> I was in Philly. And that, that, that didn't is, make any sense. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, I had a very similar situation. To where it's, like, because I spent so much time with that person, mm-hmm. she's just, like, there's no other option but you guys are fucking with each other. To some, I'm, like, or like not. We literally just get along. But I think that's like the jealousy factors. Like that person feeds you in a different way mm-hmm. and perhaps in a more positive way than the person you're in a relationship with. Yes. And that's what I came to the conclusion was like, mm-hmm. aside from the physical part, the it rest wasn't. is not there yet. Yeah. And not to say that I couldn't get there, but in terms of what I need now, you can't give it to me. And that's when, I guess, the topic of what you brought up earlier is having organic relationships. Like, you don't want to exactly. have to force anything. It's got to be entirely there on its own without you having to do too much. The mm-hmm. only work, I guess, is now when you both start growing and you shift from what you originally were. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, so we're not the same. How do we work to keep what we had, but like also add more? Because people do change over time. And I feel like people that don't adapt to their partner's growth. Yeah. They I think, and that relies on just like making that mental commitment. It's mm-hmm. easy to be with someone when it's easy. Oh, most definitely. People don't know how to stick through things when it's hard. Yeah. I've gone through a number of experiences where someone was kind of like, oh, it got hard with you, so I had to get a distraction. So like mm-hmm. I started paying attention to other people because they made me happy and like I wasn't happy with you. And I'm like, we don't work the same. Because if I'm not happy with you, I'd much rather fight you if I have to right. to get this to work. Like, I'm not going to go and start, like, pissing in the wind over there with whoever else is existing. That was also the difference in yes. pers- and approaches. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, I feel like 
I'm just like, again, very binary. Like, if I have a problem with you, then we need to work it out. The whole I need space thing no. fucking makes me want to shoot my brains no, no, out no. Why, every time. Why would you need space to we go both, somewhere else when the problem is here? We both recognize there's an issue here. <laughs> like, you're literally just avoiding it. And honestly, that whole space thing, that just creates a, a messy situation where one, someone could be like, okay, there was a problem and your first instinct was to walk away. Mm. That's problematic. Two, someone could take that to mean, oh, I can do what I want. And then you get a situation where someone does something somewhere else. You could either break up. Space is either you're about to break up or you've created a, like a situation where someone could do something. And then when you come back, it's right. like, okay, well, what happened? And if you decide to tell the truth, now it's like, oh, so you, you cheated. You did this. Right. Space is never the answer. I don't, I don't deal with things from far away. I'm kind of Not like, to say it's not the answer, but just to say like... Maybe just like, hey, I need a day to like think about this. Yeah, not like I that's need a one three, thing. Like a three month. But I hate break. the like indefinite. Like I just need space. How long? I don't know. Like don't do that. Yeah, no. I am a very like heads on. The way that I react with my friends and just my family, that's straightforward. Like, okay, that's how I am in relationships. And I am learning that males don't quite handle that very well. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't had the greatest experience just dealing with <laughs> things that way. It's like, what are you doing? That doesn't make any sense. She's just a friend. No, she's not. I am going to walk you through her entire mind. <laughs> and I am going to tell you word for word what she's going to do. Fast forward a month or so, everything uh. I said was correct. And I'm like, so are we going to admit that I was right? Did I tell you so or not? And by that time, we've got a handful of problems that we shouldn't have had in the first place. Because people don't deal with things hit for, like straight on. People aren't straightforward they're not honest mm-hmm. I feel like you're either raised with that or it just becomes a part of you because of some traumatic experience like you're only gonna start being brutally honest if it's inbred in you it's a part of your nature naturally right or something has happened where you did the opposite and it really did not work for you right so yeah and there's also the insecurity factor like when you open up that can of worms, especially emotionally, to put it all out on the table, mm-hmm. you know, you just never know what's going to come out. So I think that's a good place to wrap this up. Um, so at this time, I just want to thank you for being on the podcast. And I just want to give you the time to plug any social media events, whatever you got going on. Sure floor thing. is yours. Um, I don't know what would I want to plug. Your Snapchat, please. My Snapchat. Um, my Snapchat is at Jordian. I suppose I should spell it out. Everything's lowercase. J zero R D Y A double N three. Very complicated, I know. But that's my Snapchat. That'll have name. to be replayed at least three times. Yeah, at least <laughs> three times to actually get that. Um, and then I guess because I am a chemical engineering major here, Drexel, if you're listening and you are in STEM, if you are a minority student, if you just want like a space to hang out with people, definitely check out your school's NSBE chapter if you have that. They have both undergrad and postgrad chapters, I think. Check it out. It's pretty cool. It's a great space to meet with intellectual folks much like yourself. Um, I know we're always saying this. NSBE stands for National Society of Black Engineers. You don't have to be black. You don't have to be an engineer. Check it out. There's a lot of cool people there. So yeah, those are going to be the two things that I like to put out there. Dab. And that was some real shit. 
Thank you guys so much for listening. If you would, please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. It would really mean a lot. If you want to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, my handle is at reallyrealshit underscore. If you want to send me any messages, feedback, or comments, you can email me at mark, M-A-R-C, at the realitycheck.biz because I'm about my business.